Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. I'm going to talk this morning. It's entitled A Holy Union. The topic or the main subject is is really that of the stone. If we get into this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at uh, Jesus Christ being the rock. And over the next several verses, Peter writes not only that Christ is the living stone, but we too, as we come to know Christ, it says that we become lively stones ourselves. We become a part of the body. We we are uh, a part of this body that God has put together. And so we're going to look at all of those things in the next several weeks. And it comes and it speaks of some of the things that we have. Um, I don't know that you would maybe look at it this way, but we ought to, and I hope you'll see that here this morning, but the privilege that it is to be a part of the body of Christ. If we were to go through and really begin to look at that word privilege, a lot of times I think in our society, uh, almost when we look at privilege, we almost think of it as a bad thing. A privilege is this. It is a right or an immunity granted as a peculiar benefit. It's an advantage or a favor that could be attached to a specific position or office. A privilege is a blessing or a freedom enjoyed by some, but one, listen to this, that most cannot or maybe do not take advantage of. There's privilege in your workplace. There's privilege in your home. There's privilege in countries. There's privilege all around us. Certain people have certain rights based on certain positions that they hold. I have privilege in my home. There's things I will tell my kids, listen, you're not eating ice cream tonight. I will put them to bed. I will eat ice cream. You might say, well, that's so mean. Is it? No. (laughs) No. No, there's certain privileges that an adult has that a child doesn't have. There's certain privileges, like it or not, that I have within this church that some of you don't have. You say, well, that's what do you mean by that? Well, there's certain things that you would give to me that you won't give to the person beside you because I am the pastor of the church. There's certain things that I have a key to the building and I can unarm it. You don't. You may call that a privilege or a blessing. I don't know. But there's certain privileges to every position when you go to work. There's certain things that you can do at your work that if I walked into there, I could not do. We all have those everywhere we go. It doesn't matter. But when we look at it in this regard, a privilege, a right, or an immunity granted, a peculiar benefit, an advantage, or a favor, think about this in regards to your position as a believer in Christ. We have a privilege As a believer in Christ, that not every person has. See, I can go down the strip and I can walk, I could go to the mall and I could walk and I'm standing beside somebody that may not know Christ as Savior. I have a privilege that person does not have. Now they have the same opportunity maybe to know Christ, but the decision that I've made to follow Christ gives me an eternal privilege, not only eternally, but also for the here and now. But I love what I, what I put down or what I read that it says that some or but one that most cannot or maybe they do not take advantage of. We have privilege that we often don't take advantage of. I 
hope that you would look at that and say, yes, that is true. You could look at that just as an American in general. There's freedoms and, and privileges that we have that most of the time we don't take advantage of. And so we look at this, and as we go through this, John MacArthur says this, Many believers view the Christian life more from the standpoint of spiritual duty rather than spiritual privilege. We tend to be preoccupied with temporal pressures of things we view as obligations and do not cherish the lasting privileges God has given us to enjoy. Far too often we view these things as blessings for the future, for heaven, and not in the here and now. And so today as we look at this, this idea or this thought through scripture of some of it of privilege, but of the, the holy union really that we have, uh, we have been granted, or maybe you sit here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, a holy union or a privilege that, that we are trying to offer you, that God has tried to offer you by sending his son to die upon a cross, that you would have that same opportunity, that same privilege that many in this room have. And so this morning, if you have your Bible with you. If not, it'll be up on the screens. But 1 Peter chapter number 2, we're just going to read a couple verses this morning, starting in verse number 4. And it says this, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also, that would be Believers also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Father God, this morning I pray, I pray as I do every week that your word would pierce our hearts. But Lord, I pray that this morning we would, we would just stop for a moment and really a lot of this these last several weeks have been about examining. And Lord, I believe as I have studied and I believe as I have, uh, you've pierced and pricked my heart, Lord, that so many times I've viewed my Christian life out of duty, not out of privilege. So many times I've, I've, I've stood before you and the spiritual sacrifices have not just been out of desire of my heart, but out of what I feel that I'm just supposed to do. And Lord, that you would allow us to see the privilege that it is to know you, the privilege that it is to, to serve you, the privilege that it is to be able to speak to you and to read your word. God, that you would be glorified. Lord, I do pray that if there is, there are any that sit here among us that have never come to a place where they know you as Savior, Lord, maybe today you would draw them to yourself. For some reason, you brought them through the doors here at Oasis. And maybe that reason is salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at this this morning. The, again, the, the title of the sermon itself is A Holy Union. And as we, as we look at this, a holy union starts by... You and I coming to Him. As we get into this passage of Scripture, the first point is that just simply it is, is coming to Him. There in verse number 4 it says, To whom coming as unto a living, a living stone. As we look at this, uh, it is only by coming to Jesus that we enter into a holy union. Or we enter to be living stones as it says further on in the passage of Scripture. 
We enter into this privilege of knowing Him. The only way we do that is to come to Him. In Matthew 11 it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is as we come unto Him that we begin to to come to that place of rest. Here's the reality. For those of us that have come to know Christ as Savior, there was a time in our lives, and there's times throughout our Christian lives, uh, I, I say this very regularly, if you think coming to Jesus is going to make everything in your, your world today perfect and better, I wish I could say that was the case. It's just not. It provides us a lot of help. It provides us the, the, all of the things that we need But there's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus says, hey, when you get saved, everything is smooth running. It's really almost the opposite of that. When you come to know Christ and you genuinely give your life to the Lord, most of the time it begins a little bit, gets a little bit rockier. The closer and the more you draw close to Christ, usually the enemy works a little bit harder. I've experienced that in my life. But as we come to this point, for, for many, we... We come to a place of, of desiring Christ or we're just kind of in a, in a spot and it, it comes to this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's in him that we find rest. It's in him that we find all these things. It is where those who are hungry and thirsty will never hunger and thirst again. John 6 says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst It is where spiritual blessing is found when we come to Him. That thought there of coming, that that phrase or that word is, is really that we would draw close to Him. It is a personal abiding. It is me knowing exactly what I'm doing and I need this. I am coming to you. I am going to you. I am abiding in you. It isn't just a flippant kind of a thing. It is a conscious intimate desire purpose that i am desiring i am i i am seeking this it is that coming to christ if we were to go back to the old testament and i'm not going to spend a ton of time on this but all throughout the old testament the references of god being a rock peter here is using the similar verbiage and similar words as a living stone Identifying Jesus Christ as the one who believers can go to. Speaking of a building stone, a foundational piece. I guess if I were to ask you what that foundational piece in your Christian life would be, or what is that? It should be the foundation is Jesus Christ. It is God's word. And as we look at this passage of scripture, it is that Jesus is that foundation. And and we looked at it again being going through uh, verse by verse throughout this passage of Scripture, what do we just talk about? A desire, a craving of the Word of God. And we come here that Jesus Christ is that foundation. It has to be that, that core foundation that everything is built upon is the desire, the craving of what? The Word of God. It has to be that foundation. It is a perfect living stone. And it goes on in this passage, it says, To whom coming, as unto a living stone, it says what? Disallowed indeed of men. Rejected of men. Rejected of men. If you were to go back to that day there in in Jerusalem or around the days in in the, the Jewish culture, what did you have? 
You had the Sadducees, you had the Pharisees, you had the scribes, you had all of these people who laid out all of the laws, and these are the things that we must, we must uphold from the Old Testament. And when Jesus was there, they all began to do what? Everything that he did, they would, they would criticize, they would judge, they would mock, and they would say, hey, you're not upholding the law just as it's supposed to be. And they began to be the judge of who Jesus Christ was. And they said, he's not. He can't be the Messiah. He can't be this because of all of these things. And they said that he wasn't. They despised him. They rejected him. He was disallowed of men. Rejected. He couldn't be the Messiah. Think about this. Because he was too weak. He was too meek and too humble. He was too weak and too humble and, and too meek to, to overthrow the powers that be at that time in that day and age. Surely this Jesus couldn't overthrow the powers of Rome. Surely this Jesus, this, this guy that claims to be the Messiah, he can't do all of those things. He is too humble. He doesn't have the strength. What do we look for in a leader? We look for somebody that's going to be bold and we look for somebody that's going to punch them in the nose and just tell them how it is and they're going to, they're going to lead and they're going to do all of these things. Jesus came in as a humble man willing to be the least of these. And they said, surely this guy can't be the Messiah. They rejected him. They disallowed him, but it says, but was chosen of God and precious. Jesus, God says in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God chose Jesus Christ, the precious Son of God, to be rejected, yet to take on the sin of the world. He is precious. He is costly. It is a high prize. It is rare to be the living stone. He was precious, a precious jewel. We would say is what? It's prized. It is, it is, it is special. It is all of these things and exactly what Jesus was. He was precious. He is precious. If we were to go, as we continue to go through this passage and continue, I, I always reference back because that's, as we build on all of these things, we're looking at this this morning and we see the privilege of, of knowing and having intimacy with Him. Of knowing that He is the living stone. Of knowing that, that as we come into this, as we come to Him and we have this privilege, we have this thing of salvation, the redemption that we talked about several weeks ago that was a cost, that cost Jesus His life. The cost of salvation. It's in Him that we must go to experience the union, to experience the privilege. As we choose to go to Him, we become living stones ourselves. We become spiritual stones. It says in 5 that ye also, as living, lively stones, we have that eternal life of Christ. We become partakers of the work that is the church it blows my mind on a regular basis that God would choose to use you or to choose to be me. I can only speak for me, but that God would choose to use me to do anything for Him blows my mind. Be it singing a song, be it speaking a sermon. Be it going to the office 
to be a light for Christ should make us go, wow, why in the world would God use me to be anything? Because God's word says that my goodness is as a filthy rag. But yet he has chosen when we choose to come to him and when we choose to say, God, here I am. God, I recognize that, that you sent your son. God, I recognize that my sins were, were taken because, because you sent your son to die. You, you chose to, to die for me. And you were the redemption that I needed. There isn't anything I can do. I can't give anything. I can't do anything except forgive myself and say I need forgiveness. I need redemption. I need repentance in my life. I need to turn. I need to do all these things except for that. There is no union. But yet he says here in verse 5, Ye, you, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Hey, you know what that house is? That is the house of God. Each one of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that have been brought into this union with Him, are a piece of the church. See, back in the day, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, but back in the day in the Old Testament, we go to what? There was a temple It was inside of the temple in the Holy of Holies that the priest would go on behalf of you but today you are a royal priesthood. You are a part of the stone. You are a stone that is the building of the church of God. The foundation of the spiritual building is the doctrine, the the teachings of God's word. Acts 2 says it this way, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That is, they were teaching faithfully the, the, the word of God, fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. It's in this union we have our spiritual resources able to be met. We have life because he lives in us. We have life because He gives us strength. We can be lively stones because of Him and Him alone. So looking at this holy union, the first part this morning is that holy union starts because we have come or you have chosen to come or maybe you sit here and you're trying to figure this thing out of religion. You're trying to see where you fit in this world and all of those things. But as we come to Christ, we begin that holy union. We begin the privilege. We begin all of those things that God has desired for you from all of eternity. Each and every one of us and every person that's ever walked the face of earth was designed, was created with worship and relationship with Jesus Christ in mind. But it comes us Coming to Christ. The Holy Union, as we continue to move forward, the Holy Union comes or is happening because we have come to Christ. Secondly, is that we it provides us access. As we choose God, as we choose Him, as we, we go to Him, we enter into a union with Him, it provides us access to the Father. We have full access and admission into His presence that was never had before. 1 Timothy chapter 3 
uh, in verse number 15, it's at the latter part of this verse, it says that we would be the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. I, it wasn't long ago we went through the book of 1 Timothy, and I remember this passage of Scripture specifically, in that we are the foundation of truth in society is the church of God. Yes, it's God's word, but it's presented through you and I, the church of God. We are part of that spiritual house. We are a holy priesthood. Again, I jumped ahead of myself just a minute ago, but the Old Testament priests had access to the Holy of Holies where they would go once a year and they would make sacrifices on behalf of the others. And they would, uh, it wasn't something that was taken lightly. It was something, if you went into there and you were uh, in the wrong place, uh, being there could be your life. Going into the Holy of Holies was serious. It was taken serious to the point of death. If we were to look at a couple things this morning over the next couple minutes, I'm going to look at some of the way that a priest in the Old Testament would have been brought to priesthood really is mirrored just how you and I would come to know Christ as Savior. One of them is that it was sovereignly; they were sovereignly chosen. God chose the priests sovereignly as he chooses you and I. John 15, 16, I've read this before, but you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye, you should go and bring forth fruit and, your, and that your fruit should remain. God, God chooses us. God has spoken to you, and when God brought you here, for whatever reason that you walked in the door of Oasis, it was the Holy Spirit that tugged on your heart that brought you to this place. Whether you looked up online, whether you drove by it, whatever it was that you did, it was, it's God-ordained. God is working sovereignly in each part of this world, in each person. It's God cleansed them from sin. There was a washing, a sin offering, a burnt offering, consecration and wave offerings. These were all symbolic of the importance of the Holy of Holies. Today it's the same. We are cleansed from sin. Jesus cleanses with His blood. It is His blood that washes new. There is a clothing of the priest. The priest would go in into the, the Holy of Holies and they would wear a certain outfit from the, from the outside of it, from the inside of it. Everything that it was was based on purity. Today, it's being clothed in the righteousness of God. There's an anointing. For then it was with oil and with blood which was sprinkled. Today, our new covenant, or it would be anointed with the divine anointing. We have an anointing from the Holy One. We have the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know sometimes we get weirded out by talking about the anointing and the Holy Spirit. But listen, the reality is, when you come to know Christ, and I've said this so many times, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you and lives in you and gives you a power and gives you an understanding and teaches and shows you so that you can better understand and be guided through life. It's not creepy, weird. It's not something. No, when you come to know Christ, you are indwelt with the Spirit, which is our guide. How do I understand God's Word? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me and speaks through God's Word and shows me and helps me, the same as you. Listen, back, back in the, the old, old days, depending on different faiths, there was one person that could teach 
That's not the case. You've been given that access. You've been given that access. They were prepared for service. God would call them. Then there were seven days of preparation, of prayer, of fasting, and other things that they would do. Today it's the same. There's a calling. There's a preparation that would come to the service that God would have us. And lastly, it was a call to obedience. It was a call to obedience. The priests in the, in the Old Testament, they had an obedience. They had certain things that they were to follow. There were certain things that they were to do. First and foremost, the Word of God, the law. Today it's no different. Today as we come to know Christ, there is a, an obedience that should be upon our lives that we would obey the Word of God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, is what God's Word says. Our obedience is not because Pastor Aaron told you to do something. The obedience is that of the obedience of God's word. I say it so many times, and maybe it's a broken record at some point, but I I mean this with everything in me. Don't just do something that I have told you to do because I spoke it behind the pulpit and because I am the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church. No, you do it because God's word is the foundation of our lives, and we are obedient unto God's word, not unto Pastor Aaron. I mean that with everything in me. The greatest responsibility that I have is the teaching of God's Word. And there is nothing in me that wants to lead you in the wrong way. And I say it often. Take these notes. Study them on your own. Allow it to be an encouragement. And if I have failed theologically, you please set a meeting and you let me know. Why? Because you're not obedient to me. We are obedient to God's word. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to help. We're going to try to do our teachers to do our best to teach the solid word. The foundation is is the word of God. If your foundation is God's word, you'll be okay. If your foundation is Oasis Baptist Church or Aaron Flanagan, I will promise you it won't work out well. That's not because we're bad. That's not because the church isn't doing good. It's because I'm a human being. And this church is put together, maybe you don't know this, by flawed people. From the top, All the way through. We have access to God, but that that final piece is an obedience. Yes, it's an obedience to, to live honestly, to live righteously to the best of our ability, but that comes from the obedience of God's word. A holy union provides us access to him. It is that we are a holy priesthood. As I was studying, these are some of the things that I thought of. As we go into the last point this morning, as I was studying, I couldn't help but think of this. If people in the Old Testament went into the Holy of Holies and they weren't supposed to be there, they could be killed. They could be killed. And I thought of it this way, and maybe I'm taking it too far and and. and Forgive me if I am. 
How flippant do I walk into the Holy of Holies as a priesthood of the believer, as somebody who now, because I've come to know Christ as Savior, I am now become a priest in the sense of this. I have access to God. I don't, you don't have to come to me to speak to God. Yes, I will, pray, I will pray on your behalf. I will intercede. I will do all those things. But you do not have to come to me, and I go to him. You have access to God. So here's my thought. In that I have access to him, how many times do I just flippantly go about my Christian life, and I don't think of the seriousness of what it is to be a priest Does that make sense? Do you know what I do? You may not like this. But I say things all the time that you may not agree with or dislike. I come to church many times. And I do my duty. I do my job. And sometimes, just like you go to work, sometimes... And you just do your job. In my humanness. I will flippantly do my job. Because that's what I'm supposed to do. In God's word in the Old Testament. They could get killed for that. I'm not saying don't kill me, don't kill yourself, we're not going there. But entering into the Holy of Holies, entering into to a relationship with God, it, and maybe, I, again, maybe I've taken it too, too far personally, but I was seriously hit this morning, or this week going, Aaron, how flippant do you live your Christian life? I am a priest. You are the same. And I go, well, God, man, thank you for another day. I hope you, I hope that, uh, man, thank you for the food. Thank you for my family. God, be with Mindy today. Be with Madison, Riley, and Brindley, and Elijah. Lord, help me to get my work done today. Man, That's how I go in, like, there's times that that's how I go in, really? Last point. Last point is this, a call for spiritual sacrifice. A call for spiritual sacrifice. One of the primary functions of the Old Testament priests was that of offering up animal sacrifices to God. Today, we no longer have that. There's no longer animal sacrifices that are needed as the ultimate sacrifice, excuse me, was laid on the altar, the cross. The sacrifice was the final blood offering ever to be given. As Jesus died upon a cross, as Jesus was buried into a tomb and then three days later rose again. That was the final blood sacrifice that ever needed to be given. Today, though, it's 
a spiritual sacrifice. Then it was about the right or the perfect sacrifice. It was about giving the best, the spotless, the pure lamb, the, the, the best of the best of the best that you had. If I were to go before the priest and I would go on behalf of my family, I would have taken the absolute best one that I had. The one that I would say, no, don't touch that one. That's my, that's the highest possession. And I would pick up that lamb and I would take it into the priest and the priest would, would slaughter it and the priest would do all of the sacrifice things that needed to be done. Then it was about the best and the purest sacrifice. Today, What if our sacrifice was thought of just as it was then? Again, I take it right back to my thought before at the end of that last point. If I took it as serious to be a priest today, as we took it as serious as they took it back then, and we literally gave the best that we had, and then the same thing with our spiritual sacrifice. Listen, spiritual sacrifice is not, let me help you, it is not giving an hour and a half in the nursery. I'm just being really, really, really honest. For some of you, that maybe I shouldn't have said that. For some of you, that may be. Because that's literally giving everything that you have would be to do that. That was probably really bad that I said that. Delete? No, I'm just kidding. I will not delete that. But no, do you follow what I'm saying? For most everybody in this room, being here on Sunday is not spiritual sacrifice. Is it to some regard? Sure, you had to get up a little bit early, blah, 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 blah. But no, spiritual sacrifice, again, if we to go back to that day and look what the spiritual sacrifice was, the sacrifice was the best of the best of the best. This is what I have. This was my livelihood. This was everything to me, and I would take it because it was the best that I have. And so many times, I can only speak for me, but so many times I come and I give my spiritual sacrifice, though it is not even close to the best of the best of the best that I have. God's word says that that we would be the the lively stones in verse number five that are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices that are what? Acceptable to God. Or by, to God, by Jesus Christ. Jesus came and died for our sacrifice. And he sits today as our mediator to the Father. And it's in his name that is a spiritual sacrifice. It is, it is, it is him. It is, it is his desire that, think about that. It's, it's his desire that we would, God's word says that we would live life and live it abundantly. He says in John Uh, 14, whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. But here's where that comes from. That comes from what? That comes from a heart of being in tune with Him. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But you know where that comes? 
as I give my spiritual sacrifice. Romans 12, one of my favorite verses. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. I am to present, I'm to be a spiritual sacrifice. That is, that it is God-honoring. I think if we were all to just be honest, we often live flippantly. How's this? I'll, I'll do it this way, that way. You can put your name if you want to. I live flippantly. And my spiritual sacrifice is often hardly a sacrifice. It's often hardly a sacrifice. I believe that you know what a sacrifice is. It is something that when you give, it may hurt a little bit. Have you ever given financially to the church and you're like, God, I'm doing this because I know this is what you told me to do. But you know inside, if you do that, God is going to have to perform some form of miracle to allow you to get to the next step. I'll give you this one quick story, and I I did not intend to do this, but one quick story when it comes to this. And this is just for me personally. College, my senior year of high school, or my senior year of high school, my senior year of college, Mindy and I were married we had started the principle of tithing early on. That was just something that was instilled in us and that we were going to do. And it was early on, and we, I remember arguing on the way to church over giving our tithe. And I just, I, we just kind of looked, and I said, Mindy, I really just feel like we have to do this. I knew that if we did that, later on that week, Bills would be going, maybe not getting done. I made pennies. Did anybody else make pennies in college? <laughs> I think I literally made pennies. I went, and at that time, we gave our tithes. We went to Thomas Road Baptist Church, which was at that time, they probably ran 15,000 people. I was on staff in their junior high department. Now, granted, their staff was larger than our church, and I was just a an assistant to like an assistant to an assistant. I was like nobody in this. And, I, and so I come to, I go to the office on Monday. And I get a message from the pastor that I worked under. And he said, um, and man, I can't even think of his name. But he said, Pastor such and such, Dan, Ran, Ranlet, Pastor Ranlet, I believe was his name, uh, wants to see you in his office. And I'm like, oh my word. Like he was like, there was Dr. Falwell and then there was like him. And I'm like, that's not good. I walk into this man's office. He doesn't have a clue who I am probably. And he hands me a, an envelope. Inside the envelope was $500. To this day, I have no idea where that money came from. Literally, we probably knew 100 people in that church. I don't say that because please, in a, mu- in a few moments, we're going to take an offering and please give us all of your money so that this week you're going to watch God perform a miracle. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I would never say that. But I, I mean, that was a sacrifice. 
It was honestly a sacrifice for Mindy and I at that time in our marriage to give to the church was a genuine sacrifice. There's been other times where it's literally, I felt like there's been, it's been a genuine sacrifice for me to do X, Y, or Z. I felt that it was a genuine sacrifice. Just like you have, I'm sure, at different times in your life where you could sit down and you could go, you know what, I really feel, I remember that time, that was an, that was nothing short of just sacrifice. I didn't want to do it, whatever it was, and you felt that this is what I needed to do. A spiritual sacrifice, God's word says that we would give, that we would offer up a spiritual sacrifice. And it says this, that is acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Let me just say this as I close. If I am to be honest with myself, which this week I got punched in the gut a few times. If I am to be honest with myself, and I am to look at my Christian life, and I am to say honestly, Aaron, are you living a life of spiritual sacrifice? That is honoring to God. That is acceptable to God. That is this. If we were to go back to the Old Testament. That is me going out to the farm. Out to the pasture. Taking the purest spotless lamb that I could find. Taking the best of the best of the best that I could find. Taking it up and saying God here you go. I would have to say quite often that is not the case. You may say, well, you're the pastor. Yes, I am. If you need to vote me differently, then you can get with the men and we can make that happen. But in all seriousness, if I were to just be real honest, most of my Christian life, it has not been a pure, wholehearted, spiritual sacrifice that's been given to God. And as I studied this week, I would say those two thoughts pricked my heart bad. The thought of what it was in the Old Testament to be a priest and how special it was to even get close to the Holy of Holies. And we have access Whenever we want. And how flippantly that I live my life. And then on the spiritual sacrifice. It was to give God the absolute best. And so many times. I'm just really busy. And so God gets a little bit of the leftover. And that's considered. Well that's okay. No, it's not. It's not. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.